Hello there. You're listening to the Goblin Broadcast Network. GBNcom.com. Did you mean to do that? Follow the Path, the Bears Grove Podcast. Adult-level discussion of role-playing as a storytelling art at bearsgrove.com. Hi, I'm Sam Chupp, and this is the Bears Grove Podcast for Monday, May 21st. Running time is 36 minutes, 26 seconds. This episode in the Storyteller's Corner, I'm going to talk a little bit about an idea that was originally brought up on another podcast, which I'd like to discuss an idea called natural character generation. And then I have a little rant about the concept of keeping secrets inside your game. But first, these news and notes. Well, it's been a while since we've chatted, and I'm happy to say that I'm back in front of you again, back in front of the microphone. Had a bit of a problem happen to me. Most of my data for the past eight years has been destroyed. It was a hard drive crash of tremendous proportions, and uh, one of the hard drives took out the other one. There was a power supply difficulty, and my hard drives turned into so much molten slag. There was a small fire. Smoke was billowing out of one of the drives. You don't often see that. So, uh, anyway, now I'm starting over. I've got a blank slate. Um, I've brought my machine back to life with a new power supply and a new hard drive. And I've reformatted it with Windows XP and a copy of Ubuntu Linux, and I really like Ubuntu. And I've basically since then been mostly operating in Ubuntu, although there's still some things that I must do in uh, Windows XP. I am getting excited about Dragon Con. I'm looking forward especially to putting in my uh, games to be run for Dragon Con. I always run Dragon Con games. About four different sessions of four hours. Is it four, four sessions of four hours apiece or four sessions of six hours apiece? I can't remember which. I know there are six players per session. But ultimately... It's about, well, it's a significant amount of time spent at DragonCon playing games and running them. This year, I'm going to be probably putting forth a game of Cat as one of my games. And I've got to have a crowd-pleaser, mainstream sort of game, so I'm not sure exactly what that's going to be. But the other thing is, I'll probably be running a game of Spirit of the Century. Um, because I love pulp-style things. And who knows? I haven't yet decided. 
what the other games are going to be. I'm looking forward to them, nonetheless. I've been very busy podcasting um, other podcasts. You know, I'm continuing to work on Fledgling and Heart of the Hunter. Heart of the Hunter has gotten its own website, heartofthehunter.com. And I'm also going to start working on the setting for Heart of the Hunter to be released as a separate book. I'm excited about that as well. Um, well, podcasts I've been listening to. The Sons of Cryos are a perennial favorite on my MP3 player. I've also been listening to The Roll Monkeys, which I really like. Um, the Round Table when it came out. The Misfit, Misfit Brew when it came out. It was wonderful. What else? Cory Doctorow's podcast. The Game Master Show. Been listening to that as well. Next up, we'll have our segment on character creation. Howdy, partner. This here's Aphis T. Hefferman. You know me from my days with the young pioneers of the Purple Sage Prairie. And my number one hit, I wouldn't have kissed my horse, except it was dark. Well, when I'm not doing a gig down to the Albanian Fellowship Hall, see there, Yuri, I got your damn plug in. I'm listening to this exciting fantasy novel podcast called, are you sure this is right? That ain't even a word. Uh, okay. Called Fortress Draconis by Michael A. Stackpole. It's kind of like a Western, except it has dragons and magic and such like in it. But it has horses too, but don't nobody go kissing no horses. And they have a gunfight or two, except and they don't call them guns. And they have lots of sword fights and blood and stuff, and even a bit of romance. So you'll be wanting to listen to the Fortress Draconis podcast. Are you sure that's a word? He just could have called it something like Fort Apache or something sensible. All right, all right. That, that's Fortress Draconis, the podcast. Okay, now will he give me my horse back? One of the aspects of the old school role-playing games that exist that I have particularly liked in the past is the fact that some of them have a simulation that helps you randomly generate your character. I'm not a big fan, in general, of randomly generated characters, but I always found these game systems that had the simulations in them to be interesting. Why is that? Well, they came up with a lot more diverse character types than people seem to want to take. They generated things that sort of made sense later on down the road. I was listening to the last episode of Does My Geek Look Big in This, which unfortunately has pod-faded. But I still think that you can get the files offline. They, are, they still exist out there. Does My Geek Look Big In This is the name of the podcast. But at one point, 
Sarah was talking about, Sarah and Ev were talking about on the podcast this idea of letting sort of a character evolve. And I like that. And let me tell you why. Sometimes you don't know what a character is going to be like until you're in the middle of playing that character. It would be nice if we were all writers and actors and game designers. And if we could all spend our idle hours contemplating every facet of our characters. But that just doesn't work. What does work, for me, is a basic framework plus the ability to uh, be flexible as you develop the character. Does being flexible mean that we should just give things away? No. But it's important, I think, for a GM to, if necessary, give a player a chance to create a character on the fly. Now, the important part about this is let that happen and don't lock it down. Don't forget about it. It can go both ways. So let me just illustrate. I started playing King Arthur Pendragon once, and there were a lot of people who were playing with me. I started playing, and we had... At that time, King Arthur Pendragon had you know, a simulator character generation system that would give you an idea of kind of what sort of standing and power your character has as a result of where they were born and how famous their father was and so on. Unfortunately, it still tended to come up with, in the end of the process, a fairly generic knight character. There were no rules for merits and flaws or anything like that. And really, I don't think that at the time we would be ready for them, even if there had been. As the players played their characters, various aspects of these characters became known to me. It became very clear, for example that Owen, a player character, was going to be somewhat anti-Saxon. It also became clear that um, another character was hiding the fact that he was really a she. It became clear later on during the course of the game that somehow... This one particular character had really bad luck with horses. These were not things that were given to the characters to start out with. But as the game progressed, 
it became painfully obvious, they just sort of emerged like organically, like a leaf coming up out of the ground. So I'm asking you to give a chance to to uh, allow some of the character generation to take place after the initial setup. Now in Lyrica, you can do this, my, my own game, Lyrica, you can do this very easily by simply choosing only your natal aspect and developing things as you go along. Your journeyman aspect, your you know, the various adult aspects you have can be, you know, dealt with later. You can leave things blank on your character sheet and fill them in as you go. Recently, on the Roll Monkeys podcast, Chris Heim did this very thing with his character Joey Shade, He waited for a while to fill in all of the blanks on his character sheet, which is a function of Spirit of the Century, the role-playing game. And I think that that was just a good thing for him. He obviously needed to know more about the character, and sometimes you just don't know how that character is going to present until you're in the middle of it. Right now, I'm playing in a game of Serenity with the folks from the Out in the Black uh, Ventrilo group, which is sponsored by After Serenity. And my character, Paolo Sean, initially was designed to be somewhat of a... Well, he's a warrior type. He's a protector a martial artist. I never realized how... Well, he just came, he comes across in the game as somewhat effeminate or not, not exactly a macho man, which I guess fits in well with the fact that he's kind of from a comfortable beginning. He was raised on the companion world of uh, Sinon. Anyway, Sean is uh, well, he's a nice man. And he tends to want to trust people. At the same time, He's terrified of losing his ship, which is not something that I really understood about him later on, you know, after character generation. It's not something that came out until just until later. Here I am, a warrior character, and in my first combat, I got my butt kicked. It was uh, somewhat of a surprise. Now, admittedly, later on, I found out that probably there were some rules that I weren't following and there were some things that were going on that should have been dealt with. But by and large, 
I should have done pretty well. Next time we have a combat in game, I'm going to be really paying attention to the combat stuff that I've learned. And maybe Paolo can sort of come back from his rather wimpy beginnings and earn the respect of the crew. There was an interesting scene with Ben Balestra's character between uh, Paolo and Nemo where they were sparring. And Paolo, being from a very civilized environment, was pulling his punches and trying to, you know, mediate the fight to a certain extent because the whole point behind the fight was not to hurt each other, but to teach each other things and to sort of come together in the spirit of warrior brotherhood or whatever. However, Nemo ended up taking it very seriously and kind of just went all off on me and started attacking me in earnest. And that was an interesting wrinkle. For me, Paolo's strength was in his ability to just sort of look at that as being, well, that's what uncivilized people do. And Nemo is somewhat of a rough-and-tumble fellow from a myster- with a mysterious past. I don't even know anything about him, really. His whole name means nothing, literally, and uh, or no one. Anyway, suffice it to say, the character is evolving, and I think all characters do. The question is, how can we as game masters and we as game designers support and create a rich environment to be evolving. And I think part of that evolution comes from the strength of the game system itself. For example, in Spirit of the Century, you can acquire aspects that you didn't have before because of things that happen in play. You can take on temporary aspects. You can have permanent aspect changes. Someone can tag your aspect, wake it up, use it against you. All kinds of things can happen. And that's in the course of play, but it is also somewhat character-changing as you go. And, of course, in Pendragon, the tendency is built into the game system. If you use a skill successfully in a Pendragon adventure, and you pass a certain check at the end of the game session, or the beginning of the next game session, that skill goes up which is very intuitive to me and seems very powerful. In fact, 
it's the best way I know to do what I call realistic organic development. It makes sense that if I am spending my time doing something, then that is what I will get better at, right? Makes sense to me. So what what that also did during the Pendragon game was that it actually drove the kind of adventures my players would be interested in. They would seek out opportunities to, say, improve their social skills when they were looking for a wife. Because, literally in Pendragon, if you want to attract someone, you have to impress them by flirting with them or otherwise becoming known to them that way. And sometimes, if you if a knight doesn't have hardly any social skills whatsoever, then he's not going to really get noticed. And in the end, it might be as humiliating as their king just assigning them a wife. Here, have a wife. But... Um, Ultimately, one of the neat things about Pendragon is that it has so many interlocking aspects that all sort of fall back on the Arthurian myths and tales and work towards producing stories that are very Arthurian. That's what I'm hoping for in the Lyrica game to recreate the kind of stories that I've already experienced playing in my game world of Coronai using the D20 system, but really drifting it, that is to say, sliding it back and forth between various other kinds of systems that I would create on the fly or what have you. So, that's what I have to say about natural character generation. Essentially, I think people should always keep it in mind. Which means that storytellers have to be willing to go forward with perhaps not the entire character created. Maybe get to a point where they just say, look, you know, the character is functional as written but it isn't completely ready yet. And be okay with that. A lot of GMs I know would not want to do that. They would shy away from it. But I'm, I'm here to say that it's a good technique to try. Next up we have the Game Master's Corner, where we're going to talk about the use of secrecy in a role-playing game. This is Ray. So, let's listen in as Ray hits on Sandra. Excuse me, miss, but do you know karate? Because your body is kicking. Now, let's listen to the same scene. Only this time, Ray is sporting a quality geek label t-shirt. Yo, baby, I was wondering, uh... Damn! Rejection! What's up with that? We can't really stop it. Damn. But we can outfit you in buttery smooth designs for geeks, gamers, and tech heads. They're custom t-shirts. 
They're not magic t-shirts. Damn. Another fine product from geeklabel.com. When I was a younger gamer, I was into a lot of what I call secrecy. That is to say, I was into the idea that everybody's character sheets should be secret from each other, that, well, you know, you shouldn't ever show each other what you have on your character sheet. You should pretend that it's top secret information. And during this time, that secrecy created some interesting game situations. But more often than not, what would happen is there would be a lot of hurt feelings and difficulties and distrust as a result of the secrecy. Um, the fact that certain people had secrets and other people didn't, for example, made for sort of distrust and, and discomfort. It was altogether not the best situation for me. I can understand why some people enjoy having player character secrets, um, enjoy note passing with the DM. There was a situation where one of the players was playing a character who, on the outside, they had a hard time understanding what her character class was. They had a difficulty even figuring out kind of what she was or who she was. And they kept wondering, you know, all right, so what's happening? And that character had a secret, and it was a fairly significant one. And I think that really drove a lot of distrust towards the character. Um, in fact, I'm certain of it. Now, it was neat for me as a referee to be sitting there understanding the situation and appreciating the story from the perspective of somebody who knows what's going on. But at the time, what that meant was I was having fun at the expense of my players instead of along with them. And so what that meant was that you know, they kind of felt stupid. And I understand that. And that's why I, I don't think I would ever do that kind of thing again. The character was interesting. A bit of a freak show character. But ultimately unreliable in the context of the game we were playing. Because... 
people did not know what to think about that character. And people didn't in the group didn't know how they could depend on her in situations where there was a fight or whatever. The character was a dragon. But due to restrictions put on the character by supernatural forces had to remain in human form for most of the time. Now, we pointed out some of these aspects, some of the aspects of the character that would give you tells towards what that character was. For example, the character always pretended to sleep, never actually slept. The character would forego food and water for the most part, but occasionally vanish, and then livestock would go missing. Every so often, the character would say, I need to go into the woods and work my summoning magic. Vanish into the woods, become the dragon character, fly into battle, come back, and say, wow, you know, do that whole Clark Kent Superman thing. Which would have been great, it would have been fine, I think, if everybody in the group knew about that, but I think in the time, people didn't know, and it was just more confusing than anything else. You know, why is this character going off by themselves? was going on. After a while, it just became boring, I'm sure, for them. So, ultimately, I feel as though when there is an open secret, a secret that is... Everybody knows that there is a secret to be had, but there is... Um, but that secret is not shared with the group as a whole. There's going to be Problems. I think think what it does is it sort of undermines the whole structure of the game. It's a barrier to really thoroughly enjoying all aspects of the scenario. Now, on the other hand, what you've got is there's plenty of people who really enjoy a mystery story and you may ask, well, what's the difference between a referee or a game master or a storyteller knowing the story ahead of time? What's the difference between that and the players sharing a secret? And I guess the real difference is, is that that's the role the game provides for the storyteller. And it's part of the agreement we make when we sit down to the table. And so, I just want to say that, you know, secrets, not exactly a good thing. I guess, you know, for the kind of games that I like to play. I'm certain that there are folks out there who like to play games in which they are contentious with the rest of the group. And that is the... Uh, Perhaps it's the role-playing equivalent of the screw-your-neighbor games. 
you know, the the ones where you're required to cut throat and backstab. But because I seek to enjoy these games as a escape, I tend to want to not have that kind of situation. I've grown up in my life, I've had a lot of conflict, and I don't need any more between my between people that I'd like to be trusting. And I've always found that that particular scenario of having a screw-your-neighbor style role-playing game typically tends to devolve into out-of-game stuff being brought in to in-game conversation. And, you know, you have people backbiting each other. You have people bringing outside conflicts into the game situation. Anyway, if there's something I can share with you about this ultimately is that if you're going to have secrets in your game, go ahead and have them, but be respectful of them and make sure everybody is willing to sign off on them and be understanding that what it's going to do is mean that there are going to be people who feel as though they are essentially being uh, you know, used in the game for entertainment. Their ignorance is used for entertainment. Which, if you're okay with that, that's fine. But I just, I can't see it for myself. And that's just me. The Gamer Traveler podcast combines gaming and travel all in one. In each episode, we feature a location around the world, learn about its history and travel appeal, and then find ways to use it in your games. We also have sound scene tours and interviews with other gamer travelers. Learn more by visiting thegamertraveler.com where you can see the show notes and post in the forums. The Gamer Traveler Podcast, because our world is the best campaign setting. Thegamertraveler.com Well, you've come to the end of another Bears Grove podcast. The Bears Grove is brought to you under a Creative Commons license. Attribution, no derivatives, no commercial use. You can contact us by emailing bearsgrove at gmail.com or you can go to our forums which is forums.bearsgrove.com you can call our listener comment line which is 206-202-3275 if you go to the website at bearsgrove.com you'll find a number of other ways to contact me including my chingo and goodness knows all kinds of other things so just go into the about me section or the contact me uh, button uh it's really easy to do so i'd love to hear your feedback and i'd love to hear from you thank you for listening to the bears grove and we'll see you again next time have sweet dreams when you get them this episode of the bears grove bears grove 31 is dedicated to all of the gamers who uh, are graduating, who I used to play with when they were kids. Thanks, guys, and good luck.